This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, you may have noticed that there have been a lot of babies born in our community lately. Yes. Um, and each birth is announced with a lot of enthusiasm and some questions. We want to know all the details. How much did the baby weigh? How many inches long? And the biggest reveal, what will the baby be called? The revealing of a baby's name is a big deal. So to illustrate, I thought I would tell you a little true story about the naming of my grandson. Uh, when my daughter was pregnant, they did reveal that the baby was a boy, but they kept his name top secret. And when labor began in earnest, my son-in-law started texting friends and family to ask for prayer, and he offered a little clue about the baby's name. But he gave them only, only the initials and invited them to guess what the name might be. The initial, initials were E-D-S. So, you will pick up on some obscure references and some inside jokes. This is the list I obtained from my son-in-law. E-D-S. Eggless, dairy-free Stucky. <laughs> Everdale discard pile. Earhard Deuteronomy Stucky. Everyday Stucky. Edward Dominic Stucky. Eusebius David Stuckey, <laughs> Ernest Demingway. <laughs> Elijah Duncan, Ebenezer Doom, <laughs> and even the name of some heretics, Eutychus Donatus Stuckey. The only thing missing is a great Narnia reference, maybe Eustace Diggory Stuckey. No one, not one person in all the texts guessed his real, his real name, uh, Ephraim David Stuckey. And I'm not going to tell you the backstory. You'll have to ask his parents. Uh, but as a grandmother, I've been asked many times, why Ephraim David? Is it a family name? A Bible name? Why did his parents choose this particular name? Uh, because to understand the significance of a baby's name, you have to know the backstory. So this morning, I want to unpack with you the backstory of the name Jesus that was revealed in his circumcision and its connection to the passage that we read from Exodus 34 about God revealing his name to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, if you want, you can put two fingers in your pew Bibles Exodus chapter 34, which is on page 74, and Luke chapter 2 on page 808. Uh, these two passages that were read today, along with Psalm 8 that we prayed, are traditionally read together soon after Christmas on a day that's set aside to commemorate the naming and circumcision of Jesus. Uh, technically, this is appointed for January 1st in the Anglican tradition, so we're one day ahead of schedule. Um, our gospel text describes the naming of Jesus without any flourish in just one sentence. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, 
he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This revealing of Jesus' name was a big reveal, the most astounding name reveal in the history of the world. But to appreciate that, to really understand what's happening, you have to know the backstory. So uh, let's begin with the ordinariness of Jesus' name and then unpack the hugely important backstory. In Hebrew, the name is Yeshua, an Aramaic form of the Hebrew name for Joshua. In Greek and Latin, the name Jesus, and in English, Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus, were common names in first century Palestine. Many Jewish, Greek, and Roman boys were given the same name. Without the backstory, Jesus' name is truly ordinary. But knowing the backstory unlocks what it means when the Bible says that there is no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved, that the name of Jesus is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, bodies are healed and demons depart, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So first, a little bit about the ceremonial circumcision and naming rituals that are common in Jewish practice from ancient times all the way to the present. Uh, in preparing for this homily, just to make sure that what I was reading matched up with actual Jewish practice, I consulted a local expert, Lisa Boehm, our resident Jewish mama and mother of three boys and a girl. Uh, Lisa confirmed that the naming of a Jewish child has prophetic undertones. By the grace of God, the name includes what Lisa called Hebraic destiny. The name says a lot about what the parents hope for the child to become. During a ceremonial circumcision, the baby boy is given his name in the presence of God. As a side note, Jewish baby girls are also given their names, also with equal prophetic import, minus the circumcision, of course. As Anglicans, we echo this practice of naming our babies in a little ceremony called the Thanksgiving for the birth or adoption of a child. If you're interested, you can find it in the Book of Common Prayer. But more significantly, when a baby is baptized, the bishop, priest, or deacon calls the child by his or her full Christian name in the presence of God. The weightiness and prophetic potential of a name is hugely important. So why would these Jewish parents, Joseph and Mary, name their child Yeshua, Jesus? Why would the angels instruct them to do so? What's the backstory, the significance of this name? So let's look together at three clues that we find in the Bible. Uh, the first clue comes from the Hebrew version of his name, Yeshua, in English, Joshua. Joshua, or Yeshua, is a great Bible name. Excellent to give to a baby at any time. At the end of the book of Exodus, 
we learn that Joshua was the man appointed by God to finish what Moses started. God used Moses to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. Moses led God's people through the wilderness. But on the bank of the Jordan River, just as the people were about to step into the promised land, God said to Moses, stop. Moses, you will not see the fulfillment of my promises. But Joshua, your assistant, will lead my people and will live to see the fulfillment of my promises. Why name the Messiah after Joshua? What does the name have to do with Jesus' Hebraic destiny? Because Jesus is the Messianic Joshua, appointed by God to finish what Moses started. But it gets even better than that. Joshua is a fantastic Bible name because it declares something that is true about God. Joshua, Yeshua means salvation. It means God saves, but even more poignantly, it means God is salvation. Salvation is something that God does, but it is also something that God is. When we are in the presence of God, we are in the presence of salvation. So when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, you shall name him Jesus, Yeshua, he's saying, Mary, name this child salvation. Salvation is being formed in your womb. So that's our first clue. They named the child Jesus because he is the new Joshua. His name means salvation. Uh, our second clue is found in what the angel said to Jesus's adopted father, Joseph. You'll remember that he too received an angelic visitation. From Matthew chapter one, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This little phrase, save his people from their sins, is really important. The first Joshua, successor to Moses, helped is deliver Israel from her political and territorial enemies, the enemies without, so to speak. But the second Joshua, Jesus, saves us from the enemy that rots us from within, from sin, the enemy that is within the human heart. Jesus, Yeshua, Son of God, saves us from sin. And so that's our second powerful clue, that his name is powerful because it saves us from sin. Um, our third clue about the meaning of Jesus' name comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, and its connection to Exodus 34 that was read this morning. Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel 
which means God with us. Emmanuel is a very special name for God. It conveys the way that in which the God of Israel was different from the pagan deities. The deities of other nations, too many to number, exerted their puny influence from a great distance. But the God of Israel is near. He is working among us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. This revealing of God's name to Moses in the account in Exodus 34 is a profound example of God with us, Emmanuel. It prefigures or foreshadows the revealing of Jesus' name at his circumcision, which is why the two passages are read together. So if you want to, let's go back to Exodus 34, which is found on page 88. As instructed by God, as the scene opens, Moses is alone on the mountain, open, ready, for whatever God has for him. Beginning in verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord, the God of Israel, Emmanuel, stood with Moses. Moses had a profound foretaste of God made man in the incarnation, a glimpse of God made flesh who would be born of Mary, the Son of God who would stand with us and walk among us. Uh, continuing in verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The name that God reveals to Moses is mysterious. Now, scholars have many theories about this divine name that was revealed. The oldest manuscripts represent the divine name with just four Hebrew letters that we translate into the English letters W-H-Y-H, often pronounced Yahweh. Uh, most scholars concur that the four letters are almost like an abbreviation for the essential identity of God, and that they might be translated something like, I am that I am. Uh, last night, I just happened to be listening to um, The Horse and His Boy, one of uh, C.S. Lewis's children's novels, and there's a point at which Aslan appears um, to Shasta, and he says, I, my name is myself. This is the name that is proclaimed to Moses. Many years later, Jesus himself will say, will say about himself, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This divine name spoken to Moses is massive, cosmic, ineffable, beyond human understanding, 
beyond our capacities to explain. So when Moses says that the infant Jesus is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and that they would call his name Emmanuel, he's making an astounding claim. He's saying this baby born of Mary, whom his parents called Jesus in obedience to angelic instructions, this baby is God made flesh. Emmanuel, standing with us, like he stood with Moses on the mountain. This baby whom Mary and Joseph present to be named and circumcised is the great I Am, veiled in the guise of a tender, vulnerable human being. These three clues about the name of Jesus, that his name means salvation, that he is the Messiah who saves us from sin, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, taken together are really almost too much to take in. How can we respond? We may not be able to understand or explain, but we can respond. Now, the stories we read today suggest a couple of wonderful ways to respond. Here are just two of them. Uh, first, we can respond like Mary did. Matthew 2.19, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Mary models for us a whole lifetime of contemplation, a lifetime pondering, weighing, reflecting, allowing Jesus to reveal himself to us. Mary models for us a slowed-down spirituality that continually says yes to God. The incarnation of God, God with us, Emmanuel, is a mystery and a wonder to be pondered for a lifetime. Um, second, we can respond like Moses did, Exodus 34, 8. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Moses responded with his body. He reverenced the name and the presence of God by bowing to the ground, and he worshiped. The wise men from the east who followed the start of Bethlehem had a similar response when they saw the infant Jesus. Matthew says that when they saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. <coughs> Truly the name of Jesus, the presence of Jesus is too much for our, our, to understand with our minds, but we can respond with our bodies like Moses did. You may have noticed that at the beginning of uh, many services, we sing something called the Gloria, which is a uh, sung or spoken version of the angelic announcement, glory to God in the highest. Twice during the Gloria, the name Jesus is part of what is said. And you might notice some people, when the name Jesus is said, will bow a little bit, bow their heads, raise their hands, because even at the pronunciation of the name of Jesus, we can respond with our bodies.
Uh, finally, I want to suggest to you a very simple and ancient spiritual practice that's simply called the Jesus Prayer. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Sometimes it's elongated a little bit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's one of the oldest spiritual practices that we have, second only to the Lord's Prayer. Throughout the Western Church and the Eastern Church, this simple prayer, uh, repeated often, is a way to put ourselves in the presence of God, to remember that he stands with us, and to speak directly to him. Um, I like to shorten it a little bit. I always prefer fewer words rather than more. I love the simple phrase, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we can, uh, a helpful way to practice this prayer is actually to um, sync it up with your breath. Praying with the breath is another ancient way of prayer. So with the inhalation, Jesus, with the exhalation, Son of God, with the inhalation, have mercy on me, and the exhalation, a sinner. If you set a little timer on your watch for two minutes and you pray with your, your breath, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You pray that for a couple of minutes, notice what happens to your body, what happens to your mind. Um, the people who write about this make note that it's difficult to think about other things when we're focused on that phrase. So when you find yourself anxious, angry, worried, obsessed about something, stop thinking about it for a little bit and breathe. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a powerful and simple way for us to reverence the name of Jesus and to invite the reality, all the reality of who Jesus is to be with us in that particular moment. Uh, let me pray for us and then we'll um, go uh, to the table where we can partake of Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, thank you for your name, the name above every name, the name that puts darkness to flight, the name that is our refuge, our high tower. We take refuge, Jesus, in your name. Oh, Lord, as we enter into this new year, would you make us people more and more a people of your name, marked by you, representing you, filled with the fullness of your spirit, that you would love your world uh, through us, that we might do everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>